Tonight, I want you to go back with me to the book of John 21. Real quickly, I'm just going to paraphrase the story. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. Now, he's appeared to his disciples two times, one on the road to Emmaus. The second time, he just entered into the room where they were, walked right through the wall. He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then he said, whoever sins you remit are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. And then Peter spoke, or not Peter, but uh, Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, I'm not going to believe it's you unless I can touch those, those scars and I can feel that ribbon." sign Jesus just threw his wrist out and he said here I want you to touch me and he just walked back through the wall just like he came into it now we're the third time he appears to his disciples and it mentions Peter's the first one mentioned and a number of disciples went to the went to the uh, sea of Tiberias and verse 2 says and Simon Peter and his disciples Simon said I'm going to go fishing And the rest of them said, we're going to go with you. And he said, they went out and immediately got in the boat and they fished that night. They caught nothing. Everybody say nothing. They caught nothing. There isn't anything worse than going fishing, catching nothing. It's no fun not to catch anything. So they went out. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And his disciples did not know yet that it was Jesus. And he said to them, children, have you any bread or have you any food? The King James translation says, have you any meat? And they said to him, no. And he said, cast your net on the right side and you will find some. So they cast their net. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. And when he had removed it, he plunged, because he had removed it, then he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came into a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you knowing that it was the Lord? Then Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them and likewise the fish And now is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten and break breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Barjona, do you love me more than these? And he said unto him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Three times Jesus asked him the same question. Simon, do you love me? 
feed my lambs the first time. Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep the second time. Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep the third time. And then he speaks to Peter and he says this. Peter speaks to him and said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus says again, feed my sheep. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and you will carry you where you do not wish. This he was signifying by which death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this to him, he said, follow me. Then Peter turned around, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following who also leaned on his breast at supper, said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus answered, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So tonight, I, I want to talk to you about three things or four things here real quickly that I believe Jesus was addressing Peter. And I'm going to title this, Come On, Let's Get On With It. Because here's Peter and these disciples. Peter is probably in the worst state of all of them. Because Peter is the guy that denied the Lord that said, I'll never deny you. But Peter three times denied that he even was with Jesus, that he even knew Jesus, that he even sounded like Jesus. Three times he did. And the Bible said when he did that, he went away. He went away very bitter at heart. And probably the last person that Peter really wanted to see was Jesus because of the shame, no doubt, that Peter was setting in because of his failure. But it's interesting, Miss Joni, it's Peter is the first one that Jesus wanted to touch because Jesus had never changed his mind about Peter. So there were three things he asked him. He said, do you love me? Three times he asked him that question. I believe in that three times. I believe he was saying something like this. I believe there's a deeper meaning. This is just Zach. So just hang on with me. I believe the first thing that he was saying to Peter was this. Peter, I don't need you to die for me. I need you to live for me. Because remember what Peter said in the book of John chapter 13, I believe it is, verse, verse 36 and 37. Miss D, if you could put the verse up there, I would appreciate it. He, the first thing that he said to him, Simon said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, said, where I am, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. The next verse, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? Listen to what he said. I will lay down my life for you. I want to tell you, that's some pretty strong stuff. That's some pretty strong words. I'm going to, I'll die for you, Jesus. But I believe this is what Jesus is saying to all of us. I don't need you to die for me. I need you to live for me. I believe that's why he was calling Peter. Peter, you wanted to die. You said you would put everything on the line. 
I don't need you to be a martyr. He will be a martyr later, but right now, I need you to live for me. We've got, we've got worlds of people saying, you need to just die for the Lord. Well, if we're going to die, let's die in the right way. We need to die out to our flesh. We need to die out to our selfishness. We do need to die out to our will and not His will. You, we need to die instead of saying, I'm going to give my life for you, Jesus. If we can't die to our flesh, how will you ever give your life for him? Are, are y'all cool? Paul said it like this. I beseech you, brethren, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, that perfect and acceptable will of God. I believe the Lord is saying to us, I don't need you to die naturally. I need you to die to yourself. I need you to die to your will. I want to tell you, dying, just completely giving it up is a lot easier than dying to this flesh. I really believe it with all my heart. He's saying to Peter, come on, Peter. Paul said it like this. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain in Philippians chapter 1. Then he goes on, but if I live on in this flesh, this, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Next verse, for I am hard pressed between two, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in this flesh is more needful for you. I'm telling you, if you're going to check out just to say, I'm going to give my life and die, you're not doing anybody any good. But you're more, need, more needed right here upon this planet. You're more needed in this place. So I believe he was saying, Peter, if you're going to die, he's answering his denials. He's answering things that Paul, that Peter said, Jesus, I'll never be ashamed of you. I'll never be offended by you. Jesus, I'll go all the way and I'll die for you. I really believe, I really believe Peter meant what he said it was in his heart to do it but remember his flesh was weak did you ever think I'll, I'll catch that verse in a minute let me go to number two I touched this one a little bit on Sunday morning but I'll touch it again we have to we have to be totally sold on the finished work of Christ we got to be totally Sold out in that. Look at John 21 verse, I think it's John 21, not 2, but John 21 verse 7. Miss, uh, whatever your name is, D, back there. Jesus, Peter was on the boat. He was fishing. Remember, he's fishing. And when, the, when John said, hey, it's the Lord, what did Peter do? This is just craziest thing to me. He puts his coat on to swim to the shore. Now, he was probably wasn't naked. He was probably, if anything, he was probably had at least a loincloth about him that he was covered. And that wouldn't be an unlikely thing for a fisherman to do in that day. 
But why did he put his coat on to go into the presence of Jesus? It's the first thing that Adam did when the voice of the Lord came walking to him in the garden in the cool of the day. He didn't have a coat, but he began to try to cover himself. It's our human nature after our failures and after our faults. It's the weakness of this flesh that we feel that we have to start covering ourselves and we feel like we have to labor and we have to work to become righteous. Church, this is something you and I need to really get into our spirit. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's not going to be. It's not coming to be. He said it is finished. Let's say that together. It is finished. That word finish comes from this Greek word. Uh, just put it up for you that are taking notes. And it simply means this, to bring to an end. To bring to an end. It means to complete. It means to to accomplish. Jesus wasn't just hanging on that cross to go through the motions of death. He was completing something. He would be the sacrifice that would satisfy the payment for sin. It was the only thing that would do it would be Jesus himself dying upon that cross. It signifies, listen to this, I'll give you a couple of things that's not on the screen. It signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. Jesus did not come to the earth to figure out what was wrong. I want you to think about that. He didn't come to do a discovery. He didn't come and say, I better go down. Let me see what their problem is and I'll see if I can fix it. It was already solved. The problem was already known. It was already solved before he ever became flesh and walked upon the planet. And the reason he became flesh was to come and pay the price that you and I owed. Isaiah says it like this. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He came on a mission. John says, I believe it's 1 John, for this purpose was the Son of Man, or was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the enemy. What was the work of the enemy, that sinful nature that he impregnated, I could say it like that, that he impregnated us with, that we carried around in our bodies. Jesus come to destroy it. I don't care how good you try to be, you're never going to be good enough. Just like you didn't become a sinner because you do bad things, you'll not be righteous because you do good things. I need to say that again. That's really profound. Believe it or not. You're not a sinner because you do bad things. You do bad things because you're a sinner. 
But the bad thing didn't create the sin problem. The sin problem created the bad thing. So if, the, if sin created bad things, you will never be righteous or be good trying to do righteous things or good things. So that's why we go through penance. That's why we do all of these things. I just got to make it up. I'm going to work harder to prove myself. Wait a minute. You need to stop because you'll never prove it. You'll never prove it. What, what you got to do is embrace it. And the moment you embrace righteousness and you profess righteousness, then all of a sudden what starts coming out of you? Righteousness. Hello? Are you okay? It signifies the successful end to the particular course of action. It even gets deeper than that. It's like, the, how many has ever paid off your car? Yeah, you know, boy, isn't that a great feeling? Especially if you couldn't pay cash for it. And you had to finance it for whatever length of time, whether it was a year or five years. You couldn't wait. Man, we're getting closer. You throw extra money at that payment. I can't wait till this car becomes fully mine. It's kind of like the final payment on the car or the final payment on the house note. This house belongs to us. There's nothing else owed. Hear what I'm telling you, church. We as believers need to get that. If Jesus paid the price, there's nothing else owed. Look at your neighbor say, there's nothing else owed. If you want to give your money, give it to me, but there's nothing else owed. It's taken care of. There's nothing there. I need, to I need to embrace it. It's mine. Michael's so happy he's got to go outside. But I got to embrace it. It's mine. It's mine. I can't believe it. it's, it's mine. You can burn the note. You can do whatever. Nothing. Everybody say it together. Nothing else is old. But then it goes even further than that. Because even though it speaks of an action completed, it results in a continuance into present. So when Jesus said it's finished, he meant it like this. It was finished in past. It is still finished in present and will remain finished in the future. Come on, somebody. You need to get that. It was taken care of in past. It is still finished in this presence. I don't care what you feel. I don't care what you did. He took care of it. Now you and I, listen, I'm preaching this to you, but we need to know this for them coming because we look at it and say, but you know what they did. I got news for you. The same finished that paid the debt for you has already paid it for them. It doesn't matter if you like them or not. It's finished. Hello. Do you ever think about this? I, I take a rabbit trail for a second. I was talking to a pastor about this today. We give all the addicts and those that are hung up issues. Man, they got some bad spirits. You realize if you can't put a cup of coffee down that you have to live on that, that's the same spirit that's controlling you that cocaine does. Hello. I don't want to believe that. 
It's the same spirit that Popeye's chicken used to have on me. Same, very, see, we classify it different because I'm not doing that, but I'm doing this. But the same God that delivered and destroyed that, that spirit is the same God that has set you free, set us free from whatever. We, listen, we got to know that for those coming in. Because sometimes we're telling them how bad they are. We just need to tell them, you know what? That's already been taken care of. Why are you fighting it? And we got to get them to confess it. Because Jesus said this, or Paul wrote it in his writing, that if we confess the Lord Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he died and rose again. Listen to what he said. We will be saved. That word saved is sozo. You will be set free. You will be delivered. You will be healed. It's all encapsulated in one word, saved. Most churches don't even have a clue. Well, I got to get saved again. I failed. I got to get saved again. No, I was already taken care of. Ooh, man. I'm telling you, we got it. We, it's, most of the church don't know it's finished. That's why, you mean I got a license to sin? Because No, because this is what sin will always do. It'll always carry a wage and it will rob you of your peace and joy and it will deceive you so that you won't live the way God wants you to live. 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, let me, I got one more thing here about that one. He didn't say, I am finished. And notice that's it, I'm finished. I had Tom Keller make me a thing for my fishing rods recently. Because since my grandkids and I live close to a pond, everybody wants to fish. So I got more rods than I got room to hang up or wherever. I said, Mr. Tom, would you fix me this thing? So he fixed me this beautiful thing to, for me to set my rods on. And it works really well. It's really cool. If you need one, he's good at it. <laughs> but he didn't... He came to a spot that he said, I'm finished. That meant he got done. But his assignment was to build the rod thing. He wasn't saving the world. And he wasn't saving me. He was just building me a rod holder. But when Jesus said, it is finished. The assignment that he was on, it was completed. Now, listen to this. There is no unfinished business to take care of. It's all sealed and done by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, we ought to be shouting over that tonight. It's all done. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says something like this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for... He didn't become, notice, look at that word each in it. He who knew no sin. He who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might 
become the righteousness of God. Why did it say to become sin for us? Because he took our sins and he was perfectly righteous in every way so that now we are righteous. We're not becoming. We are righteous by the blood of the Lamb. I got to know it's finished. Look at your neighbor and say it's finished. And I got to finish this message. Number three. Am I good, Michael? You're not going to get up again, right? Okay, you're going to stay in here. Here's the third one. Don't deny who you are, Peter. Don't deny who you are, Peter. And Peter said, now we're going to go back to Peter in the scripture. The subtitle over that passage say, Peter's denial. And we teach it from the aspect that Peter denied the Lord. Well, in reality, he did. But there was a greater reality taking place besides Peter denying the Lord. Peter was denying who he really was. Hello? When they come up, just for time's sake, it's in Matthew 26, 69. I'll go ahead and throw it up there. Matthew 26, 69, Peter, Peter said, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. Here it goes. Now, Peter said outside the courtyard and a little servant girl came, said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, the next verse. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do, know not, I do not know what you're saying. Go to the next verse. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to him, who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. In other words, he swore, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. And then the Bible said, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the cock crowed. Now, we do know in this picture, he denied that he even knew the Lord. But even greater than Peter denying that he knew the Lord, Peter was denying who he was in the Lord. Come on. We cannot be ashamed and afraid to say in this hour, I am a child of God. I belong to the Lord. I am his. I sound like him. Come on, pastor. What about all this stuff is going on? Why, why did even Peter get to that place of denial? Listen, I think Peter's like how Jesus saw David. Remember what Jesus said. About, the Bible tells us that God thought about David. David is a man after my heart. Oh man, I want to be like David, but David is a man after my heart. But you have you read the story of David? David is an adulterer and David is a murderer. And yet God is looking at him. What is the difference? Because God sees what was in the heart of David. He sees what was in the heart of Peter. And he knew what provoked, provoked Peter to say, I don't know who you are. Made me look at the at the temptation in the garden different. I'm talking about Gethsemane. When he went into the garden, he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He goes back and tries to get his disciples pray. Hey, gosh, I'm, I'm struggling. 
You know what he was doing? He was on the brink. He was on the brink of denying that he was the Son of God. But just a few days before that, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he, trans he becomes just the brilliance of light is shined around him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And I believe the agony that Jesus was dealing with in the garden, the pressure of the cross, the pressure of the cup, was upon him to say, I don't want to do this, Father. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a son right now. I want to fulfill your will, but I don't want to be a son because if I become a son, it's going to cost me my life. It's going to cost me some torment. I believe when, it's, when we're in the pressure, when we're in the fire, when we're in the persecution, there's something about the weakness of our flesh that says, I don't want this. And it's easier to deny who we really are that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And because we're sons and daughters of the Most High, we cannot be defeated, nor can we be overcome. But the reality of this is my flesh doesn't feel that. Hello? I believe that was the torment that he was battling. I believe that's why his sweat become as great drops of blood. Because after he gave himself to say, you know what? I'm the son of the most high. I am sent to die and that's what I'll do. Because in the sonship you will find the purpose and you will find the strength to get through whatever you are challenged with. If you're not afraid to hang on to your true identity. It's a battle. It's a fight. Peter, who are you? Don't deny who you are, Peter. You're mine. You've walked with me. God hasn't changed his mind about Peter. But t Peter took on, the, he took on the characteristics of the prodigal son. The prodigal failed. I'm going to go back and be a servant. And that's what Peter was doing. He was going backwards. Where did he go? Fishing. I'm going to go back and be a fisherman. That's what he started with. He went backwards. God said, wait a minute, Pete. Bring some of those fish with you. Why did he let him catch 153 fish? Why is that significant? I've done a little research on it because stuff like that bothers me. Why is it 153. And he said they were large fish. At the time from what I discovered through, 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 through some research. Now I know I got fact checkers, so go find it, okay? <laughs> At that time, in that period of time, this was supposedly from some rabbi, that his site that I was on. 153 fish was in the net. There were 153 species of fish known at that time. But also at that time, there were 153 known people groups throughout the world. Now remember what Jesus called, Peter, follow me, I'll make you fishers of what? Men. When you look up the numeric number of, of, of the number 153, in its value among Hebrew letters and numerics of how it works, the, ex num the expression of that number is the Passover. But not only is it the number of the Passover, it is also in the word, it's in the same words, 
the Son of God. So therefore he's saying, we are the sons of God who take the message of Jesus, our Passover, to the world. There's not one thing insignificant in the scripture. Not one thing. He was telling Peter something. He was saying, Peter, I've called you to be a son. And the numeric value for the fish net are fishing are eight and 153. So in the Bible, we know it. Eight is always new beginnings. But I found another definition that refers to the anointed one, to the, uh, to, to the anointed one, and it also represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he said, Peter, you're going to catch these fish not by human effort, but by my spirit. That's why the Bible said they pulled this great multitude of fish in and the net didn't break. Why? Because the Spirit knows how to handle everything that we can grab and bring in. So he says, Peter, if you love me, I want you to feed my people. In fact, I thought it was interesting. He said to Peter, he's already got breakfast for him. Hey, bring me some of your fish. I've got it ready, but I need you, Peter. That's what I called you to do, to bring me. Bring me in your harvest that you're, you're gathering. I believe he was saying to Peter, Peter, you can't do this. You can't be anything. You can't do what I've called you to do and what you desire to do. You can't do it without me. And without my spirit empowering you, Peter. That's the only way, Peter, it's going to make. So he said, Peter, if you love me, I'm closing down here. If you love me, he said, feed my lambs. If you love me, Peter, tend to my sheep. If you love me, Peter, feed my sheep. It was all about tending to God's flock. And notice something here. I believe when he called it a lamb, that's a young one. This is just Zach's take now. I believe he's saying, Peter, just like you were young, and didn't know what to do. And I led you. And I brought you. I want you to feed those that don't know how to do it either. Church, let me remind us of something in this great harvest. Some of us have got 50, 60 years, maybe less, but a lot of years in this life of living for the Lord. And we can have a tendency to think because they come and get born again, that it happens overnight. It doesn't. They, some, they have miraculous encounters. But it didn't get... Some of you have just come in to some new things in the Lord that you've never dreamed of in the last maybe 10 years or, or even less. But we have a tendency to get people in. Think, okay, you got saved. Now just start living. That's why I said feed my lambs. Because if you don't, they're going to die. They're going to go back. Because they don't know how to live. This is where grace and mercy have to come to us. Hello. And we're going to have to be patient with them. They're growing up. And hopefully they'll grow up fast. But then he said, tend to them. Tend to my sheep. Now he's talking about maybe more mature sheep. 
Maybe those that have, are, are more mature, they ought to know better. He said, you got to tend to them. Part of the word tend means you're a protector, you're a guard. You help cover them and make sure they're okay. we got to be careful. We've got to guard one another. I'm, I'm going to speak about a couple of people here, uh, Junior and, and Miss Amanda. They've been with us, I don't know how for, for how long, but I want to. I am so proud of you guys. And I'm so proud of the growth that I see in them. I see it on their countenance. I, I see it in how they're living. Have they arrived yet? No, they know they haven't. But you know what? They've had some people tending to them. They've had some people feeding them. And I want you to know when they're growing, it's visible. We're, our job is to help them grow in the Lord. I'm talking about a harvest church that's getting ready. God is getting you ready. Because if you don't look at them right, we will repel them. I told a pastor today about my dad years ago. We had a building. We bought an old grocery building and remodeled it in Paducah as our church. My dad was kind of our, I guess you say, the maintenance man around the church. And our church was right in front of one of the most notorious housing projects in the area. When we started looking at the building, I'll be honest, I didn't even want to go there. I said, we won't be able to keep a thing if we go there. But God put us there. And there was no question. And we started gathering people in from the projects. And it doesn't have to be people from the project. So if you live in the project, don't be offended at me. But they would come in. Kids are going to be kids, right? They would go in the bathroom and they'd try to shove the air freshener can down the toilet and, you know, stuff. And they'd mark up walls and something. My dad, I'd, I'd see, I could see him now. Those kids. I don't know what we're going to do with those youngins. They're tearing everything up around here. I said, Dad, stop it right now. Stop it right now. Because if you're going to fill the pasture with sheep, you know what you're going to have? You know what I'm talking about, Ben. One of these guys, I, he fascinates me. On, on, I, I watch this guy just about every day. The hoof guy. I don't know why it fascinates me. On, on YouTube. And this guy goes to these farms and he trims the hoofs of these cows. And he puts them in this machine. He had one in this machine. And sorry to be graphic, but this thing is pooping everywhere. He's trying to save him. He's trying to fix. And I'm telling you, church, if you and I don't see that, it's not that they're mean. Sometimes they're just immature and their immaturity is showing up. You mean, pastor, I got to let everything and anything go. No, but we've got to be gracious. And we got to be loving because if we don't, they leave. They leave. She so said, I want you to tend to my sheep. I want you to feed them. I want you to take care of them, Peter. Last thing. Okay, Peter, you're going to die for me because that's what you said you would do. I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it, but you're not going to do it today. So don't worry about it. Because that's basically what he was telling. Don't worry about it. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to go in a way you, want, you didn't want to go. But then when Peter sees John. Now, God, I need to talk to you about John. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, what is that to you? Now, we've become the world that wants to put everybody in their place. And while we're putting everybody in their place, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. 
And I need to get focused right now. It doesn't matter what the church down the road does. It doesn't matter what kind of move of God is going on somewhere else. It's what God has told us as a church and as individuals to do. We need to do it. And let God do with them what they're called to do. Because I'm telling you, it'll mess with you if you don't. That was Peter's problem. Peter was always the one. I know who was asking the question, who's the great one among all of us? It was probably Peter. It probably was Peter. I'm more anointed. I'm more this and I'm more that than the rest of these jokers. And Jesus just said, Peter, you take care of what? Follow me. You let John take care of John. You follow me. Because we're not all called to do the very same thing and do it in the same way. Even in the house, we're all different. Having gifts different. Differing. And I can be intimidated. Honestly, I can be intimidated by some of you, by what you know and how you move. Some of you might be intimidated by me or a number of us. But I just got to focus. God, this is what you're telling me to do. And I want to challenge us with that. And I'm going to say to you, like I believe he was saying to Peter, come on, let's get on with it. Let's get on about the stuff. If you fail, get up. If, you, if you're broken, let's get healed up. Healing is yours, whatever. But we're in the greatest hour for the greatest move of God we've ever seen. Amen. Come on and stand to stand your feet with me tonight. Thank you, Lord. I hope you received of God tonight. Look at your neighbor. I want to say it one more time. It's finished. It's finished. There's nothing, there's no other business taken care of. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all and paid it all for all of us. I'm going to embrace it. Father, thank you tonight for your word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. I thank you tonight, God, for your goodness. Hold your hands up. I want to bless you tonight as we walk out. I bless you to walk in the complete, finished work of the living Savior, the one who came and died upon a cross, put in a tomb, and rose on the third day. I, I bless you to walk in fullness and completeness completeness to walk in your full identity that you don't have to hide you don't have to run anymore but you are filled with the power of the, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost I decree and declare over you and bless you with courage and courageousness to walk and to share your love and light with those that come around you like never before I bless you to walk in peace and joy to walk healthy and whole blessed and prosperous and with with a smile on your face that everybody knows that you have walked with Jesus, that you talk like Jesus, that you are of Jesus, and there's no question in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you.